Luke 13 is where I'm going to be. Luke 13, starting at verse 10, says he was teaching in one of the meeting places on the Sabbath, he being Jesus. Uh, There was a woman present, so twisted and bent over with arthritis, she couldn't even look up. I have that highlighted in my Bible. She couldn't even look up. She had been afflicted with this for 18 years. For when Jesus saw her, he called her, woman, you are free. And he laid uh, his hands on her and suddenly she was standing straight and tall, giving glory to God. Verse 14 says, that the meeting place president was excited about what God just did and became, began to have a praise break in the room. Nope. That's not what my Bible said either. Just want to make sure you're paying attention. The meeting place president, furious because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the congregation, six days have been defined as work days. Come on one of the six if you want to be healed, but not on the seventh, which is the Sabbath. But this is one of my favorite passages in this whole text. But Jesus shot back. You guys don't like it as much as I do, I can tell. But I like it. Like, I like it a lot. Like, I might might preach a message sometime on just that, just those four words. But Jesus shot back. You frauds, he says. Each Sabbath, every one of you regularly unties your cow or your ox or your donkey from its stall and you lead it out to the water and you don't think anything of it. So why isn't it all right for me to untie this daughter of Abraham and lead her from the stall where Satan has had her tied for these 18 18 years? And so when he put it that way, come on, his critics, crickets, his crickets were left looking quite silly and red-faced. The congregation was delighted and they cheered him on. I want to preach to to, for the next few moments from the subject, forget about them. Forget about them. Tell your neighbor, forget about them. Now tell your other neighbor, your second choice, the one you didn't want to talk to the first time, to forget about them. God, I, ble- I pray that you bless this word. God, open up every heart to receive what, something that you'd have for us, God. Just make this day uh, somebody's one day, that we could just encounter your goodness and your grace today, that we could walk out of this place changed, not by something that I can say, but God, you speaking through me, and we give you praise in advance for what you're going to do in this room today. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, and everybody says amen. How many people have ever been to a church before and immediately felt out of place? How many people this morning? <laughs> <laughs> How many people have ever, ever showed up uh, uh, at, a, at a restaurant and were underdressed for the occasion and felt out of place? How many people have ever been to a party but nobody told you that you weren't welcome but by the way people were looking at you felt like you weren't welcome? How many people have been to a church before? They didn't say you weren't welcome. Ain't nobody going to talk today. But by the way people looked at you, the way that you worshiped, the way you were dressed, they didn't tell you that you didn't belong, but they told you you didn't belong. You ever felt out of place before? Is there any, any, anything, anything more, more, more stressful to the human spirit than, than, than unacceptance? Longing to, to fit in. Longing to be accepted, longing to, to, to find your, your groove, so to speak. And that's why I love our church, is because one of our core values is we are an anybody church. What's that mean? It means anybody can come. 
We are a church. Look around. Look around. We are a young church. We're an old church. We, we got good people to come. We got bad people to come. We got saved people in the room. We got unsaved people in the room. We got drug addicted people in the room. We got non-drug non, uh, addicted people in the room. We got gray hair, no hair. Everybody's welcome in our church. So we're a church where, where anybody can come. People that, that, that believe what I believe and people that do not believe what I believe. People that worship like me and people that do not worship like me. People that, that, that are for me and people that are not really for me. We are a place where anybody can come. A place where if you are a Jesus lover, you can come. A place where if you're an atheist trying to figure out if God really is real, you can come. You can come if you've got a needle in your pocket. You can come if you left a needle at home. You can come with pills in your pocket. You can come with cigarettes in your pocket. You can come with a fifth of Jack in your pocket if you want to. You are welcome in this room. So, so, so God, he loves you just because he loves you. Like the thing about love about Jesus is that he loves you today whether you ever love him back. He loves you today, whether you ever decide to give him your heart today, bro, he loves you. He doesn't love you if you do this. He loves you. He doesn't love you, but, no, 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 there's no buts in God's love. He loves you. He's got grace for you if, no, 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 he has grace for you, period. Now he has a purpose for, no, 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 he has a purpose for you, period. He can use you if you, no, no, no. He can use you, period. He died for you if you, no, no. Whether you accept him or not, he still died for you. Why? Because there's no conjunction with when it comes to the love of God. But with every religious Pharisee, with every critic in your life, they always come with a conjunction. Now, 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 now let's just talk about criticism for a moment. Because not all criticism is bad. There are some criticisms that we need to perfect the gift that we have. Like if I don't have anybody telling me that, hey, that wasn't scriptural, you idiot. Constructive criticism. Hey, you probably shouldn't have said nipple from the stage a few years ago. Well, I just said it today to remind you that I still can say it if I want to. Criticism. Sometimes criticism isn't always bad. Like how many people know we need somebody in our life that is honest enough that says, bro, you can't wear that. <laughs> Ladies, you got people in your life says you can't pull that off. Like I had an outfit on today. I was like, bro, I'm 39. I told myself, I was criticizing myself. You're 30 freaking nine. Don't you dare wear that to church today. And it wasn't my P.F. Chang's outfit. It was even worse than that. I'll be giving it to Corey in a few weeks. He'll be wearing it up here leading worship. Criticism and critics, right? So like not all criticism is bad, right? So sometimes there are, there are criticisms that are into your life to help you grow and help you reach your full potential. And not all criticism is negative. Like we at the moment we say criticism, we think all oh, people hate us. No, they love you. Sometimes. Because sometimes criticism can build you. And then sometimes criticism can kill you. 
And with every religious Pharisee, come on, man, with every critic, they always come with a conjunction. Here's how they say it. Well, you know, God will love you if you. We accept you here in our church if you. No, that's not scriptural. Oh, God will do this if you do that. No, no, no. God's not that type of God. Like, you can't barter with God. Like, 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 like well, God will forgive you if you, no, God will forgive me if I ask for it. I don't have to work for it. I got to ask for it. Well, God will, he'll honor you, pastor, if you dress like a preacher. That's what they say. Because sometimes we get, never mind. And so, <laughs> sometimes, here's what I want to tell you, is that, is that sometimes criticism is healthy, but then sometimes criticism is, is unhealthy. And I can tell you this, that if, if you want your, your, your ship to continue to sail in faith, you have to be willing to endure the criticism. Like, here's what I found out. Not everybody loves what we do like we love what we do. Like, there are some people that no matter what you decide to do, will criticize what you decide to do. Because not everybody is excited about what you're excited about. Have you ever wondered why people aren't excited about your salvation as you were? Have you ever wondered why like, people weren't excited that your marriage got back together? It's gonna be quiet in the room. Have you ever wondered why like, nobody rejoiced when your daughter came home? When your son got off, have you ever wondered why nobody was there helping? Like, yeah, that's so, I'm, I'm, I'm celebrating with you, says nobody in the church. Because we didn't get ours, but you got yours. And so just, no, no matter what you do, like when we fed our city in our church in November, we had people that hated on us because we fed our city. They said things like, well, everybody feeds the city on Thanksgiving. I was like, yeah, you're right. We're gonna feed them four or five times a year. That's what we're doing, but why are you gonna criticize us because we're trying to help people? And so like people say, well, we need a place where people can come and get well, and so we built this place called the Warehouse Church where anybody can come. All of a sudden, because we have anybody coming, now all of a sudden we're weird. We're the church where everything goes. They must be doing something different and weird. They must be a cult because they're growing. No, we're growing because we're a church that preaches the grace of God. And so people, people criticize. Like they, they just, so, so not all criticism is, is negative, but then a lot of times criticism is negative. And so I just wanna help you, like don't go into this thing called faith with the expectation that everybody's gonna love what you love. Like, you love our church and you love, hopefully, me as your pastor, but how many people know not everybody loves our church and not everybody loves me as the pastor? But I'm not doing it for their approval. We're not building this place for people, like, that wanna, we're doing this for people that wanna come and experience the grace of God. Like, if, if I got my self-worth based on what people said about me and said about our church, we'd have closed this place down three and a half years ago, but we're not doing it for them. We're doing it to be a place where broken people can come, lost people can come, found people can come, saved people can come, wealthy people can come, poor people can come, addicted people can come, alcoholic people can come, adulterers can come. We're, we're a place where it doesn't matter what you're walking through, you are welcome here. 
And so I just want to let you know, sometimes criticism comes in all different shapes and sizes. Jesus was criticized. Do you know that? Do you read the Bible? Over and over and over, every place Jesus went was always criticized for what he did. Criticized for who he hung out with. Criticized for what miracles he did. Criticized for where he was walking at. Criticized for what dinner he went to. Criticized, criticized, criticized. Every place that Jesus went to, he was criticized by religious Pharisees. They were critics. They were people that didn't have Jesus' best in, best in mind. So much so one time they invited him to a party to try to trip him up about who he was going to the party with. But Jesus went to the party because he knew lost people were there. Jesus comes to our church because we, he knows lost people's here, but he also knows saved people's here by the way we worship him and he inhabits the praises of his people. And so I just wanna let you know sometimes the struggle that we face as Christian people is this place called criticism. Like, are people for me? Are people against me? Do you always, does it, does it happen in your life like it does mine? Like bad news always accompanies good news? Like you could have the greatest thing ever happen to you, and then two seconds later, somebody's posting about Facebook or sending you a text message or the doctor calls. You lost your job. Like you're excited about growing in faith. You got saved, and immediately you find out your husband was cheating on you. How, why is it it's always bad news accompanying good news? Can I tell you why? The devil likes to criticize you, likes to discourage you. He's trying to steal that seed that's planted in your life. And so I just, I just, I want to talk to you for the next few moments on this, 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 this critics in, in our life. The, the critics, they don't have value. Their words don't matter in your life. If they're, if they're here to tear you down, their words mean nothing. If all they ever do is complain about what you're doing, if you don't want critics in your life, let me help you. If you don't want to face any criticism, you don't want people to, to talk about you, then do absolutely nothing. Just do nothing. Just, man, I wish I had a chair. Just, just sit here and do nothing. Don't reach. Don't invite. Don't love. Don't give. Don't worship. Just do nothing. Because this is, this is the danger. Because if people get criticized so much, that this is what you want to do. But if you're doing nothing, then you're being ineffective with everything. Like, I would rather do something than to do nothing. And here's the thing about critics that I really enjoy, is that right now at this moment, they're thinking about me. <laughs> and I ain't even thinking about them. I've ruined their lunch today. In about 18 minutes, they're gonna drive down Grand Central, the cop's gonna be letting people out, and they're gonna talk about the old screaming pastor in there, that cult of the warehouse church. They're gonna go to Bob Evans down there and they're gonna talk about me and talk about you, and we've done absolutely nothing. Right? So when, just know when they talk, you're on their mind. Oh, that hat, that, that hat get blesses me. That blesses me. It might not bless you, but it blesses me. That I'm the topic of board meetings, I'm the topic of pastoral discussions, I'm the topic of all these people. It excites me. Oh, I just kick my feet up at the house and just say, who they yeah, bless them, Jesus. Sometimes it's just good to encourage yourself. Sometimes it's good just to, man, forget about them. 
Like, what, what value they bring to my life anyway? Like, forget about them. Like, God's with me, you're not. Like, I, we're not doing this thing for them, we're doing it for God. So anyway, so let me fast forward, let me fast forward. So we pick up the text today and we see this woman who was, who was walking into to the synagogue that day and she, the Bible says she, had, she was bent over for 18 years, which tells me that she had came into this place 18 years, weekly, like came into the place where this was her posture. This is what she, she looked like. She, she couldn't stand up straight. She could simply look at, at, at her feet and she could not look at anything around her. She didn't know who was at church. She didn't know who, the, who, the, who the, the, the president was. She didn't know any of that. This was what she knew. She knew her posture. And some of we, us, if we were honest in the room today, this is how many of us would have and should have walked in the room. Because the danger with a disability like this is you can see what I'm struggling with. If I came with crutches and a cast, you would know that I broke my leg. But some of the danger in modern church culture is we walk in hunched over in the spirit, but we're standing up straight in the natural. We're, we're putting on the front that, hey, I'm good. Oh, are you talking to me today, preacher? No, I, you don't understand. I'm good today. Meanwhile, your marriage is crumbling and falling apart. I'm blessed today, man. I've served today. I'm on, I'm on a worship team. I'm doing great. Meanwhile, your, 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 your family is not even functional. I'm good today, preacher. My wife's with me. Yeah, your wife's with you, but you're, you're so distant in your household. Oh, my family, I, I'm good. Like, my son's good. My daughter's good. I'm just, I'm blessed today. No, no, no. Your son's still addicted to drugs. Your daughter hasn't been home for a month but yet you're so worried about what Christian folk think about you that you never take the chance to get well. I'm just telling you, we are a church where you are welcome to walk in hunched over. You are welcome to bring your baggage. You are welcome to bring your hurt. You are welcome to bring your struggle because we are a church that you can walk in hunched over. Listen, listen. Be very, very, very concerned if you go to a church that you can't walk in hunched over. Because how do you ever expect them to help you stand up straight? See, the thing about the scripture that speaks volumes is just because you come to church doesn't mean you're standing up straight to God. There are some people that are so consumed and so concerned with what people's opinions say that your, your spirit, your relationship with Christ is totally crumbling around you and you've got too much pride in your heart to ever even ask God to help you. And so for 18 years, this woman, this is what she looked like. I just wonder if that meeting place, like, did they love her the way she should be loved? See, I just think to myself, like the Bible says she came in and, and it didn't say anybody talked to her, it didn't say anybody greeted her, it didn't say anybody was with her, it doesn't say anybody was for her, nobody asked her if she needed a seat, nobody asked her how her week was, nobody asked her how she was doing, but she, for 18 years she came in. I just wondered, did people place her value based on what she looked like? May we never be a church that places value on people based on what they look like on the outside. Can we be the type of church that sees people with all of their belongings in a black trash bag walk through our door? Can we still treat them the same way we do with somebody who has their life put together? Can we see people who's at recovery point trying to get their life right? Can we see the value inside of them the way that God sees the value in people? Or will we be like every other church and only congregate to people that look like me and talk like me and worship like me? 
Oh, I'm thankful that we're not that type of church. I'm thankful that we're a church that loves anybody, welcomes anybody, and makes a place for anybody. For 18 years, this woman walked in, staring at her circumstance. You know, there's a lot to be said about simply about perspective. I could preach a whole message on this text based on perspective. Because some of you, you're choosing to focus on your current situation. This girl, all she knew was what she knew. All she could see was where her feet were at. She could not see ahead of her. She could not see beside her. And she could not even see behind her. And I just feel like some of us, this is where we find ourselves at today. All you see is where you are. All you see is where you came from. You have no life in you. You have no hope in you. You have no, you have no call in you. All you see is this little circle of where you are. And because of where you can just see, you have have no faith for where God wants to take you. I'm always going to be addicted. My marriage is always going to, to struggle. I'm always going to struggle financially. My kids are never going to be right. My house will never be right. And all we ever do is live in this little circle, staring down at our circumstance. And for 18 years, this woman came to the meeting place that day. Until one day Jesus shows up. This woman comes to church and she thought, man, something's different. There's, there's a buzz in the crowd. There's, there's some excitement happening. I, I hear the chatter. I hear the footsteps. I can hear the running. I see all of these people taking place. And normally I have, a, I have some space. But today to, get, to even get in, I had to work myself through the door. In a way there must be something happening. And all of a sudden as she's staring at her floor, she hears a voice that wasn't like a voice she's ever heard before. It wasn't the meeting place president. It wasn't the song leader. It, it was somebody different, and his voice sounded so, so different. It was a voice that was accompanied in grace. It was a voice that was packaged in love. It was a voice that, 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 I, that something was about to happen, and in her spirit, she began, she began to, to get excited. I just wonder that day when Jesus showed up in the room that he got behind the podium to preach. I just wonder what the crowd looked like when he stared out. See, because the Bible says that he saw her. Now in a room full of hundreds or thousands of people in a room, how would Jesus see her? How, how, would, how would Jesus, how would, yeah, he saw her because of her disability? No, I don't think so. I don't think he saw her because of her disability or dysfunction. I, I, I believe, and let me go with it, let me try to make this text come to life. Could it be that he was able to see her because all the congregation was over here and she was over there. Well, preacher, that's not what the text says. I don't know. I know that's not what the text said. But I feel like what's the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Because see, in that day, let me, let me teach for a moment. In that day, if you had a deformity or dysfunction like that, in that day, it would symbolize like a lot of the religious rulers would say that they were unclean. They had un, unconfessed sin in their life. In other words, if leprosy was a sin, they, they wouldn't stay away. This lady, they thought she, she was unclean. And so could it just be that day that all the good people, and I use that very loosely today, were segregated on one side of the church? And so Jesus takes the podium, and he knew what he was walking in. This is why he came to the meeting place that day. This is why he came. You know why he came today? Because you were here. He saw you before you even saw yourself today. And you got, you got out of your bed today. You could have stayed home. You could have watched TV. But you said, man, there's something about today. I feel like I'm going to get set free today. My healing might take place today. My breakthrough might just take place today. 
Oh, my kid don't want to come, but his salvation might just take place today. And I got to get to the house. And Jesus shows up that day in the synagogue, and he gets behind the podium. And the Bible says that he saw her. Now, see, us humanoids, we would think that he just saw her, meaning he saw what she had on. He saw how she was dressed. Now, I don't think that's what the scripture entails. I don't think that's what the scripture's meaning when he says he saw her. But I think when he saw her, he didn't see her dysfunction. He didn't just see her bent over. No, not Jesus. That's how we would see her because we're so focused on the outside, we don't care what's on the inside. But not Jesus. Jesus is all up in what's on the inside. And when he saw her, he saw all 18 years of that past hurt. 18 years of being isolated from culture. 18 years of having to walk in every day to a church and not get well. 18 years of not just not getting well, but how about how much faith she had that day? Some of, we got Christian people that give up after three months. This woman, 18 years, being the talk of the church. Yeah, there's Susie again. Yep, she's here, been over again. Guess she didn't get her. She must still be living in sin. Told you he'd never get clean. Told you she'd never get right. Told you they'd always struggle with that. Ain't nobody gonna help her. She's back again. See, we, not careful. We look at people not the way that Jesus would look at people. We, we see lost people and some of us see liability. I see opportunity. Jesus sees your life today. He doesn't see you as a liability. He sees you as an opportunity. He sees you today. Man, what could I do if they just give their life to me today? What could they, what could they do not for the, what glory could they bring me if they just get their life today? And so 18 years she came in, Jesus takes the podium, he gets up and he sees her and he just didn't see her, but he saw inside and he knew what she had walked with. The second thing that I want to tell you is that he called her. Oh, it's one thing to be seen, but it's nothing to be called. Some of you, you, you're waiting on this calling. Jesus has already called you. He has saw you. He knows that there's not one tear, mom, not one tear, dad, that he has not seen your eyes shed. Laying in bed, wondering how you're going to pay the bills, he sees it. Wondering if your son or daughter's ever going to come home, I'm telling you, he sees it. Wondering if you're ever going to get healed, I'm telling you, you're going to get healed either here or in heaven, but he sees you today. And if you allow yourself, you will, you, you will talk yourself out of and begin to think all these things that people are saying. And sometimes Christian people are the worst. Because we, we become so churched. You're around here long enough, you'll be churched. Well, Jesus ain't going to heal that person. There it is again. Pastor's preaching another message, ain't nobody going to get saved. You become so churched. I don't think that way. I don't think that way. Because every time I get the platform, I've got enough faith to believe there are many people in the room that need to get right. There are many people in the room that's got some dis dis dysfunction. The problem is not God. Last week, right? The problem is not God. The problem today, the reason you won't get what you need is because you think your dysfunction is normal. You have, you have told your mind that this is just how I am. No, that's not just how you are. Well, God must just, this is my thorn in the flesh. No, it's not. Pluck it out. It's not. 
It's not your thorn in the flesh. God did not create you to be dysfunctional. He did not create you to struggle. He did not create you to be addicted. He did, but not to the needle, to the kingdom. You just got to push it in the right direction. So he saw her and he called her. The thing I love about when he called her is, is, that, is that he asked her to do something she could not do in the natural. Come to him? She had no idea where he even was. She couldn't see him. Come, he said, come. See, the problem with the church is we want people to go, but we don't want them to come. You've got to be willing to let people come before we have them go. If we don't let people come to Jesus, how do we ever expect people to go with Jesus, right? So Jesus even here was telling people, hey, listen, I need her to come to me. So, oh, man, and she came to him. He called her. You know that he just told her something about herself that she did not even know that she had in her? The Bible says he didn't heal her first. He didn't touch her first. He healed her, and then he touched her. In other words, what he was saying is, you don't have to live that way. No longer do you have to walk around that way. Today, you know what you need is not a healing, it's a habit change. What have you allowed to attach to yourself that's not designed to be there from the beginning? We're waiting on a healing. God's already produced the healing. He's waiting on you to do your part and change some habits. Break off that relationship. Break off that mindset. Break off that. Is this helping anybody today? So he saw her and he called her. And then lastly, my favorite is he defended her. He defended her. He defended her. Do you see you know what he's saying? Forget about him. Forget about that joker, right? She got healed. Come forward. I see you. I call you. I touch you. I heal you. And immediately the president says, six days. What would it be like on a Sunday if I said, well, come back tomorrow if you want to get saved. But Sunday's not the day for salvation or healing. See, because a religious critic will always use scripture to show you how ignorant they really are. And I'm not talking about theological, I'm not talking about that. I'm telling you religious critics, they will always take and twist scripture to show you how ignorant they are. This is what, the, this is what he did. He took the scripture, he, he had, the, he had the, the letter of the text, but he did not have the spirit of the text right. Sure, it was all about the Sabbath. Sure, he was talking about the law. Sure, he was partially right. But then Jesus shot back, didn't he? And said, oh yeah, you, but won't you take your donkey for water this morning and untie him or her and lead him to a drink? But I can't come and untie a daughter who Satan has had bound for 18 years. He says, forget about him. You want a healing? Forget about him. You want breakthrough? Forget about him. You want life change? Forget about him. And he defended her. Can I tell you today that when you leave this place, if your life has changed, criticism will come. Difficulty will come, but just know Jesus. He sees you. He called you. And he will defend you. He is our defender. We don't got to defend ourselves. God's our defender. What we got to do is we got to walk in the healing. You know what that woman did? She walked in her healing. No matter what that, that president said in the, the marketplace that day, what, in the meeting place that day, she took her healing.
She rolled up at that synagogue just like this. Girl, I got my healing. I ain't seen the sunshine. I ain't seen the blue sky. But I'm walking into healing. Ain't nobody going to tell me I ain't healed. I'm standing up straight today. Why? Because I came to a place where Jesus was. And you know what the meeting place president was mad? Because he, what Jesus did in one moment, he tried 18 years to do and he failed miserably at it. Today, you're one moment away. One prayer away to experiencing a light that you never knew was out there. I believe true freedom can take place in the room today. I believe salvation can take place. I believe marriages can be restored. I believe addictions can be released. I, I, I believe all that, not because of me, but because I know who I'm working for. And he is powerful. He is all-knowing. Come on, somebody. And he is our defender. Come on, jump on your feet. I'm done today.